Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Pro Hope Podcast. My name is Penda Jai, and on this episode, I wanted to recap an article that I wrote for Vice last week, which focuses on how to find a sex-positive therapist. It may seem easier than you think, but the reality is it is an intricate and delicate process to find a therapist that understands your sexuality and your kinks and what turns you on. And more importantly, it's a delicate process that your therapist refrains from placing their own biases onto your unique experiences that may or may not have to do with the reason that you're seeking therapy in the first place. So number one, you deserve to be the client, not the educator. It's never your responsibility to walk into a therapy session with a (laughs) perceived expert, a sex positive therapist and teach them about your sexuality or describe to them the vastness and the nuances that accompany whatever kink sexualities you are into. And number two, you deserve to have your life viewed as whole and complex and not as a pathology, okay? So whatever your sexual identity is, however you choose to express yourself sexually, on its own does not equate to mental illness. So your therapist has to do the work. (laughs) They have to do the work, the work that you are paying them to do, to assess you properly, to have the education and the tools, to assess you as a person, as a whole person, and then understand how your sexuality plays into any concerns that you choose to address in therapy. So I spoke with a couple of people that have had less than stellar experiences with therapists that claim to be sex positive, and I wanna share their stories. So the first client um, is 30-ish, queer, sub, who enjoys being dominated for her partners. And for those of you who don't know, you know, the sub-dom dynamics is part of BDSM. And as a sub, she enjoyed being dominated and giving up control in order to please her partner. And she found pleasure in being dominated. And so I think the thing to understand about subs is like, yes, you're giving over the power, but it takes a lot of power in itself to give over control. So don't mistake being a sub for being weak. But she first sought therapy when she divorced a long-term spouse and began exploring a new relationship with a dom. And so a dom is someone who enjoys dominating the sexual experience and taking control over the situation. So, you know, her first therapist assured her that her treatment plan was quote unquote kink friendly, which is something that, you know, she really felt was crucial to her emotional well-being and progress and in healing after this divorce. But once she got into therapy, she kind of realized that, wow, this therapist is not understanding or inclusive of my sexuality at all. So she described to me that you know, her dom being in this BDSM relationship was both emotionally and physically very key to her recovery post-divorce. So, you know, she realized that after she was describing the relationship to her therapist, her therapist really was just not here for it. And her therapist kept telling her like, oh no, your dom is narcissistic, he's controlling, you need to get out, and really didn't understand the dynamics of a true dom-sub relationship and how, you know, this type of sexual expression and kink was so pertinent to her healing. Like, sis, if she want to be dominated and that makes her feel better, let her do what she wants to do if it's consensual and safe. So once it became clear that her kinks in general were an issue to the therapist, she stopped telling her anything more, which is just so, so disheartening when you think about it. You're in this place, you're going to, you know, seek out help and care and you think that this person is going to be understanding 
understanding and listen to you and give you the best advice and here they are judging you in a place that you thought was safe. It's it's really ridiculous. On top of that, <laughs> you paying your good coin to what, feel unsafe? Nah, we don't like that. So, you know, she expressed to the therapist that she's not ashamed of being submissive. She didn't want to change. And she's so glad that, you know, she solely wasn't seeing this therapist for sex related, you know, things in her life because she felt like it would have really harmed her emotionally and it would have lingered in her, it would have affected her dom sub relationship in a negative way. So the reality is like, it's becoming much more culturally acceptable to talk about different sexualities. I mean, in some places, I just saw an article that in Barbados, because I know a lot of us are exploring getting out (laughs) of wherever we are quarantined for an easier beach life, but Barbados is offering, you know, stay for a year um, to work remote. However, they don't recognize homosexuality. So for people who are homosexual, what, you don't deserve to go live your best life on the beach for a year and work remote in Barbados? But as a result that that in 2020, some sexual identities are becoming more recognized, more clients and their partners need to address questions in the context of counseling and of therapy, which has caused an increase in kink and non-monogamy informed therapy. But the thing is, with this expanding market comes mental health clinicians who market their services as sex positive. And, you know, there are some who are actually qualified, but there are also some who have little experience with kink in terms of their practice, but understand that there's demand for kink friendly therapy and where there's demand, there is supply. Everyone's trying to get their coins. So for many therapists, you know, they're ill equipped to treat these clients and rarely have the background to address inquiries surrounding kink because of their own lack of training and their own internalized ideas of what is deviant and what is a mental illness. So they benefit from this growing client base and the growing information and growing conversations that are happening in 2020 about sexual identities and sexual expression without having the necessary perspective to treat people effectively. You know, they get that there's money to be made And they don't have any shame in going after that new money. (laughs) But like any other sexuality, kink sexualities are so vast and nuanced. So if a client is seeking care for sexuality or if it comes up as a secondary concern, there are varying levels of kink awareness and treatment. So kink can often involve power dynamics, power play, like I said, the sub-dom relationships. And so if a sex therapist hears about this and then they try to associate these behaviors with a mental illness right off the bat, instead of doing the research or having the education to understand the subtleties of that kind of relationship, they automatically want to attribute them to a mental illness instead of just understanding that these are positive and healthy modes of sexual expression. So even if a client is actively concerned with the impact that kink has on their day-to-day life or the rest of their mental health or their relationship with their mama or why they're yelling at their boss at work, you know, consensual kink behavior does not equate to a mental disorder. So if a therapist doesn't have the tools to properly assess such kink behavior, you know, the client can begin to doubt themselves, to shame themselves, feel really misunderstood, especially when the therapist is supposed to be the expert. So all of a sudden it feels like the tables are turned, like, huh, why am I the one schooling them? Or why am I the one feeling shamed when this is supposed to be an open space where they can assess with their tools, my life and my identity? So it's just, you know, it's a whole 
just shit show if the therapist is truly not sex positive or informed on kinky or polyamorous relationships and sexual practices. So in doing this article, I was doing a lot of research and I came upon the Kink Clinical Practice Guidelines Project, which outlines the, you know, different levels of kink affirmative therapy. So you have kink friendly, meaning that the therapist has minimal kink awareness and openness to not pathologize kink behaviors, meaning they don't automatically think it's a mental illness, but they really have the bare minimum of, you know, tools and education for kink affirmative therapy. Then the next level up, we have kink aware, which includes clinicians that have worked with kink identified clients and have, you know, a small enough grasp um, on the concepts and practices within kink culture. And then the most kind of knowledgeable level is kink knowledgeable, which means the therapist is able to affirm kink and know the difference. This is what's really separating kink knowledgeable from other levels of you know, being kink informed is that when you're kink knowledgeable, you can really differentiate between whether a client's treatment needs to solely focus on kink behavior or it's a peripheral part of the treatment. If it's if the sexual behavior is just a small part of the entire treatment. So a therapist who is kink knowledgeable understands that consensual kinky practices do not ordinarily need to be treated as an impairment in work or life. They understand that any type of concern that your client comes to you with is not necessarily directly linked to kink or polyamory, okay? And it's their job, it's a therapist's job to uncover what the real behaviors or the real genesis of any concerns that a client comes to the therapist for. So if a therapist isn't aware of the, the nuances of a particular sexual community, then they can misinform, they can even harm their clients with false advertising saying that they know what the hell they're talking about. So back in 2010, a group of clinicians who worked with sexually stigmatized clients, you know, created a set of guidelines for therapists that wanted to meet their kink clients without shame or ignorance and, you know, capture a broader scope of sex therapy. And again, I'll drop this into the show notes so that you can have it. But, um, it's, it's just really important for clinicians to understand that their advanced education is so necessary if you're going to market yourself as truly sex positive and kink and poly inclusive. So therapists really have a responsibility to provide accurate community informed care to their kink patients for clients and for experts. That really means beginning with evaluating your own biases and attitudes about kink addressing how those biases can affect your interaction with each other and making an effort to study and offer resources that pertain to kink and poly inclusive identities. So I think it's unrealistic to assume that none of us have biases. We all have our own framework that we come into a therapy session with, that we come into relationships with, that we come into our work relationships, etc. right? Our lived experiences have shaped those biases and frameworks, but it's important that we check those biases, become aware of them and understand our own sexuality before we assess another person's sexuality. So clinicians must have the education and context to determine whether a person's consensual kinky behaviors, fantasies, sexualities by themselves, right? We have to determine if by themselves they are directly related to their reasons for seeking therapy or 
if those behaviors, fantasies, or sexualities are just simply methods of sexual expression. And I think that's so important because I know a lot of people who are in heterosexual relationships, right? And you go to therapy and your sex therapist isn't attributing you to having X, Y, Z issues or concerns to your heterosexuality. So why do we do that for identities that are quote unquote non-normative or fall within kink or non-monogamous or polyamorous relationships. I think that's something that's really, really crucial for us to explore and understand why we stigmatize and shame certain sexualities versus the others. So thanks for tuning in to this little recap of the article. If you head to my Instagram, which is at PendaJai, P-E-N-D-A-J-A-I, or the ProHo Instagram at I-M-P-R-O-H-O-E and go to the link in bio, you can find the full article or you can go to vice.com also and, and search for it there, how to find a sex positive therapist. And you can get all of the information I spoke with Three incredible sex therapists on their opinions on, you know, sex therapists falsely identifying as being sex positive. And it's just so informative and it really helped me think about what to look for and what are the red flags when seeking out a sex positive therapist. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see y'all next week. Peace.